Have you ever thought, what do I say to my friend who's grieving? Or, oh, why did I say that? Or you're in grief and someone has said something really stupid to you? Then this episode is for you. You're listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. He's your host, award-winning coach, and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, lovely Dynamic Women, and welcome to the Dynamic Women podcast. I am Diane Ralston, your host, and we have Heidi Dunstan here to tell us about what to say and not say to someone who is grieving. Hey, Heidi. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Diane. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We were both speaking at the Blue Talks event that was recently in in Boston at Harvard campus. And after hearing your presentation, I was like, okay, I've got to have her on the show because she has a lot of amazing things to say to my audience. So, hey, everyone, let me let me just tell you a little bit more about Heidi, so that you understand my excitement and also just where we're going today. So Heidi is an international bestselling author and certified grief educator. She has a passion to help others learn and grieve uh, about grief and legacy. Her experience came firsthand after losing her husband unexpectedly in 2018. Dealing with loved ones, saying the wrong things, or completely disappearing showed her that many people have never learned how to grieve. So true. So true. (laughs) Heidi believes that grief is love and it should never be done alone. She teaches people what to say and not to say to grievers, giving them the tools to learn, lean into grief so we can all grieve with grace. First off, I should just say, Heidi, like this is not the easiest topic. No, it's, it's definitely not. It's, (laughs) It's a sticky conversation, isn't it? It, it can be. Yeah. And, and I'll admit I was one who, really steered clear of grief. I would go to kind of family connections funerals where I didn't know the person, but I'd grieve at the funeral more than the family sometimes. I'm such an empath. And so I'm really glad that we're covering this because I'm sure there's people out there that are like, oh, I really need this help. So let us know, like right off the beginning, since we're talking about grief, what is it? Grief is not a normal response to change or loss of any kind. Hmm. So it's an umbrella term. So that's why it's kind of tricky because it's one word that describes a ton of emotions. So there could be regret, shame, fear, anxiety, hopelessness, loneliness, gratitude. Hmm. People could be grateful. They could feel relief. If somebody's been sick for a long time, sure. they could have some relief. So there's all these different emotions. They're not always all bad. But the hard part is, is grief, as much as I love to control things, I didn't get to control my grief. And people think that we can fit it in this container of life where we want it to, and it doesn't work like that. And so I call it the crazy train of grief. It's the 10 coupon ride that you don't get a choice to get off. Hmm. So when you've lost somebody who's important to you, and loss isn't just about death, it could be change in relationship, change in job, retirement, empty nest syndrome. We all move through these emotions, but because we haven't worked what I call our grief muscle, we're not really good at handling it. And so when we can learn what grief is and what it looks like and how we see it in our everyday life can help us to work our grief muscles. So when it gets into those sticky conversations, when you're 
your neighbor's spouse dies or somebody's child dies unexpectedly or tragically yeah. you don't have to avoid those conversations you can actually feel like you're equipped to do so yeah and I'm so glad that in a little bit you're going to cover what to say and what not to say because I've had experience with both being the giver of bad things to say and receiving bad things so you said that there's this muscle that and we haven't practiced it enough and we just don't have we don't have the tools right but what so makes grief we see grief every day when you think yes. about yeah. a three-year-old who loses their rock or their balloon floats away mm. three-year-old grieves yeah but what we usually do is try to fill that void here's another balloon or don't be sad why are you crying yeah. instead if we go hey this child's grieving you know tell me about how you're feeling I'd like to you know I want you to know I'm here with you when you're able to acknowledge those feelings and allow them to to grieve it can be a really beautiful process and that's when you can work your grief muscle in everyday life mm. Teenagers maybe not as beautifully when you take their internet away they're grieving mm. you start anger that's grief because you've taken something away from them and so instead of just seeing it as a conflict or seeing it as a way that of win or lose, instead saying, hey, I, I see you're upset. Can you tell me what's going on? Or I want you to know I'm here for you. There's consequences to life, but I'm here to support you rather than your feelings don't matter. And that's how you can work your grief muscle in everyday life because we see it all the time. Your yeah. colleague that's going through divorce. Hey, that's a significant change in your life right now. My heart goes out to you. It's way better than, oh, everybody gets divorced. <laughs> Yeah. Now I, I went through my own journey. My listeners know that around now is, is the two year anniversary of my father passing. And I explain grief like a roller coaster because it's so similar to this like train, almost like a runaway train. It's, it's all over. So why is grief so hard? Because we deal with others, other kind of maybe disappointments or we deal with other anger things that have happened in our life and other conflicts but man grief is the one that's just the hardest to deal with well I think the hard part is is that we live in a world that doesn't like pain uh. we don't like discomfort we like things to be happy we look for the silver linings we look for the good things yeah and that's what we're trained to do because we want to live in that happy place but when you look at grief as grief is love and so when you see deep grief, it's because you're seeing that there is deep love there. Hmm. The perception will change. And the hard part with grief, and it, I think you heard this when I did the talk at Harvard, is that we judge pain. We don't judge how people move through happiness. We don't judge through pe yeah. people through success, but we judge how people move through pain, which makes it isolated. It makes it somebody feel like they can't be who they need to be in that moment around the people that care about them hmm. because telling them that they shouldn't feel that way they shouldn't do it this way that they shouldn't and and they don't feel like they can be you know they get the please don't cry you'll make me cry too or why are you still wearing your wedding band or you know are, aren't you over it yet and so all of a sudden they're like I gotta go inside which can be really lonely to move through that pain by themselves mm, true yeah I was reading a, a book uh, about grief and it was talking, telling stories all throughout. And one of the stories was this, yeah, this woman whose partner um, had lost her partner and, and she, her friends were like, you just need to come on vacation with us. And she was like, no, no, no. And they were going on a cruise. And she said that that cruise, like grief 
followed her there. It was like the loneliest cruise because everyone around her is having fun and her friends were like, come on, you know? And she's like, I, I went with, you know, thinking I shouldn't have gone, but they convinced me otherwise. And when I got there, I knew it was the wrong decision. Yeah. And, you know, the hard part with grief when you're in it, especially in those early days, weeks and months, you're in a state of shock. You're in, there's lots to process and people genuinely, they, they, they want you to be happy. Yeah. And in that moment, it can be really hard. And, and we live in this world, fake it till you make it. And grief doesn't let you. You go to the grocery store and you walk by their favorite cookies and now it's taking you to your knees. Hmm. I learned after I lost my husband, I used to always see abandoned grocery carts and I thought people just forgot their wallets. I learned grocery stores are a landmine for, for grievers. One, the music they play brings you to your knees. And then oh. when you run by your favorite, your person's favorite food, it's like, and people retreat to their cars because they're just so emotional. Wow. Well, you mentioned your husband. I also, I opened with it in your bio. So, and I'm sure listeners are like, what happened? So maybe can you share a little bit about what your experience has been with grief and in losing your husband? Yeah. So I met my husband at a personal development seminar in 2014. We became really great friends, started dating a couple of years later. We'd gone to Christmas dinners. We'd been to his family, my family. And my birthday is right after Christmas. It's the 28th of December. And I'd heard rumblings that he was throwing me a surprise 40th birthday. And I asked him because I'm a planner. I'm an event planner. So I was like, <laughs> what do we sit feeding said 40 people? And I'm also thinking our house isn't big enough for 40. Because yeah. I threw him a, a party a year before. And I had 25 and the house was full. So I was like, so are you building an extension in the next two days? Like, yeah. And um, what are we eating? And he's like, chicken wings and cake. So I was like, hey, like, how about we go to Costco and... I can maybe add a few things to the menu. Some vegetables or yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. dessert. Yeah. Um, and so we um, we were heading to the till and he said, I don't feel well. I feel like I'm coming down with the flu. And I said, let's just go home and chill out. He was going to go to work that afternoon. Yeah. My, my husband was a re retired fireman and a general contractor and he was renovating a house. And I said, nobody's going to expect you to be there. It's between Christmas and New Year's. Let's yeah. just go and chill. Yeah. And he drove us home Yeah. and his truck was in the driveway. And he's like, I'm going to move my truck to visitor. And I was like, okay, drive safe, babe. And he's like, I'm only moving the truck 50 feet. And I pulled the car in the driveway and I put, brought a load of groceries into the front foyer. And I came out and he'd had a massive heart attack in the driveway. <sighs> Started CPR, called 911. We lived thankfully across the street from the fire hall. The boys were there in under three minutes. And an hour later, after being at the hospital, they called time of death. So two days after Christmas, the day before my 40th birthday, my life turned upside down and inside out. Wow. So how was it for you those first few weeks? Because this is the experience. I'm guessing you, you didn't talk about grief before this. You didn't teach about grief before this. No. A lot of times our experiences and our whys are so strong and push us into the field we do. But let's for a moment just talk about you as this widow for the that first time. What was that like? Um, you go into a state of shock. I'm grateful I have a great group of family and friends around me. And they all circled around as we, you know, started to plan the funeral and started to move through some of the norms of our society of service, things like that. 
but I was I was a zombie I I honestly I could go outside it was minus 14 I didn't have a jacket on I physically didn't feel cold yeah and you know I live in Mexico in the wintertime I don't like the cold and here yeah. I am people are like are you cold and I'm like I don't feel anything wow. my body physically disconnected I, I struggled to eat I struggled to sleep more than two hours people said that I was I would say things and then my mind would just drift off and I would wouldn't finish sentences yeah. I had a friend who said she came by with a big thing of food and and she said you know you were talking and you looked like you but there was nothing behind your eyes yeah you were just disconnected she's like you were just broken inside you know and and the hard part my husband was an amazing man and he was loved by many and so I was also dealing with like you an empath people coming around and I could feel their pain mm. being around my mom who was missing Mike but also feeling the pain of her daughter's going through something she's yet to go through and she can't take it away you know and so yeah. it's a highly emotional time it's extremely charged and lots of the things get said that shouldn't be said to people yeah well let's let's jump into that do you want to do the things we should avoid saying first or the things we should say first so a couple of things one if you don't actually know the person I wouldn't ask what the cause of death is yeah yep unless you have an amazing ability to bring somebody back from the dead that information is only for you yeah true and and we we ask it out of curiosity because we want to make sure we're not gonna it's not gonna happen to me yeah. but it that day, I mean, if you've ever done CPR, it's it causes PTSD. It's not meant to be done on people you love. Yes. And so you have to relive that day. So I encourage people, don't ask the cause of death. Okay. And if you feel like you need to, like if you knew the person, ask, may I ask what happened? Yes. Because That's often permission. And then yeah. the person can say no. No, not today. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's those words matter. And then the other piece is we always say, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. And the connection stops there. I smile. I say, thank you. And then nothing else can get said after that because it's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So acknowledge the pain. Hey, losing your sibling is hard. I see that you're hurting and I want you to know I'm here with you. That's a big difference than I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Can we actually break that down a little bit? Because... So some people are are maybe not great communicators, but if they have a formula to follow. So you said the first thing you said was losing a sibling is hard. Yeah, losing a sibling is hard. Losing whoever you lost is hard. Is hard. Losing your dog Rover is hard. It's hard. Okay. So the first bit is to acknowledge that the loss is a hard loss. Yeah. And then the second piece. I see that you're hurting. Hmm. I see that this is painful. I see this is a significant loss for you. Yeah. So acknowledging what you see and the emotion that's there. Yeah. I know that that person was important in your life. Yeah. You know, when the we can witness pain, it can be really helpful. Because mm. normally what we do in our society is we try to empathize by sharing our own story. Oh, I can yeah. tell you in the first nine months of losing Mike. <laughs> I heard about goldfish dying. I heard about grandma's dying. I, I heard a lot of death stories. Yeah. I, and so it made it sometimes that I didn't want to go out because I didn't want to hear more. I had enough. And it wasn't that they 
And I also believe that because they hadn't dealt with their own grief, because we don't know how to do it. True. It's like, hey, somebody else is grieving. Let me kick open the door and we can grieve together. Yes. And it's but like, it's not your time. No, no. And so the third piece is saying, you were saying about uh, like, I'm here for you, or there was a piece around your connection. I want you to know I'm here with you. Yeah. So it's not, please call me if you need me, because yes. grievers hear that all the time and they don't know what they need. It's I'm here with you. Yeah. And follow up. So it could be like, hey, I'm heading to the grocery store and I'd love to pick up anything that you need. Mm -hmm. Or my kids are heading to school tomorrow morning. Do you want me to grab, take your kids too? And, and it's making offers that you're willing to fulfill on, right? Hey, my husband's shoveling the snow or he's mowing the lawn. Can he pop over and help you with yours? Yeah. My neighbor was awesome. He was like, hey, I know you got lots of people staying over. Just leave the garbage on the doorstep and one of us will pop by and take it to the big bin so you don't have to teach them where it is every time. Nice. And that, it seems so minuscule, but it is a huge piece for me as, as a, somebody stepped up. Yes. My neighbor also showed up instead of the, and he was there on the driveway with my husband and I and the firefighters. And instead of showing up with flowers the next day, he showed up with the Costco size box of really good Kleenex. Mm. Right. And it was like, he just, he, he knows I'm a sprinkler. He knows they're going to get used. And so it's like, just show up, you know, yeah. Yeah. And uh, before we end today, you are going to give us uh, more tools to use, which I'm really happy about. And I'm really glad our listeners are going to get get to have that your kind of expertise put together. But let's is there other other things that we should avoid saying? Like, I, I know you heard a, a whole gamut of stupid things. Yeah. And, and I say stupid just because that's how we as a griever feels them and, and the person means well, but what are these other things that we just should not say? Anything that starts with at least, yes, at least, at least you can, at least you're young and you can meet somebody else. At least you can have another child. At least they're not suffering anymore. Any sentence that starts with at least minimizes how the person feels right in front of you. Yes. We often are looking for that silver lining. We are trying to make it better and just know the grief is a normal response. How this person is feeling is normal. And so we don't get, we don't have to try to fix it. Yeah. They are trying to find a new way to love their person that isn't here anymore. And there is no timeline. There is no way to do it. And when you can remember that grief is as individuals, your fingerprint. So how you do it will be different than others and be okay with that. It makes it a lot easier. The hard part with grief. And I believe that grief judgment is grief kryptonite. Yeah. When we judge how people move through it, how they're, they're not crying at all. Oh, they cry so much. Like, why can't they just stop? Right? We judge in ways that can be really, really harmful to the relationship. And then the hard part with grief is the words matter. So I always say, like, those little shifts in words, instead of call me if you need me, it's, hey, I'm here to be with you. I want to hold, hold space for you, is very different, but very significant. Words do matter. And so when you do make a mistake and, and it's awkward, they're sticky. I've stuck my foot in my mouth Own it and say, Hey, that was really dumb of me. That wasn't what I meant to say at all. I'm sorry. You're important to me. And I want you to know I'm here and I will make mistakes, but they aren't intentional because I don't believe anybody says things in grief that are intentionally meant to hurt people. Oh yeah. I, I love that you, and I remember this very distinctly from uh, hearing you speak the words at least and don't use at least. And it's funny because then I was watching a movie and someone said, at least blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it wasn't around grief. 
but even just we should almost remove that always from our vocabulary mm -hmm. because it it always mm -hmm. is going to give a dig of some sort or a hurtful comment and it was in this movie you and the person said at least there was a hurtful comment that that was made so three things to avoid saying let's kind of recap so we're I'm not sorry. we're Don't not saying i'm sorry i'm sorry for your loss that's right up there with thank you for your service it's just it's done and over okay right? so say it's you know i see that this is a significant loss losing your husband losing your cat those are big and i want you to know i'm here with you it allows you to have that connection yeah. and it allows the griever to go somebody <clears throat> hears me and they can make that choice of whether or not they want to engage yeah you know any sentence that starts with at least avoid them okay. mm -hmm. and then don't ask the cause of death and if you if you feel like you need to know how that person passed ask for permission may i ask yeah that makes a huge difference and then a question the other one i'm just going to tag in is please how are you don't ask how are you uh -huh. grief lives leaves you living in the moment and how are you we're supposed to say we're good fine or okay in our society and a griever's none of those so ask how's today hmm Again, that sh gentle shift in words can allow somebody to say, I'm not sleeping. I haven't been eating. I'm extremely lonely. I just want them back. Hmm. Grievers often say, I hated that question because I'm not okay. And lots of times they say, I'm doing the best I can. And yeah. people then feel like they don't know what to say. So when you ask the question and you're getting that response, it can be really powerful and allow for connection. Yeah. And then when you, you talk about your day, the other person can understand, oh, that's where I could help. So I'm not sleeping and maybe it's, they have a young one at home and can I take your, your young one overnight? Or it's around, I just didn't feel like eating today. Could I come and hang out with you during lunch? Yeah. Right. There's different things that we then can figure out how to do because we can't fix the grief. Yeah. So when you mentioned about don't kind of don't share your like one up story, uh, you actually shared a story. And in the audience, my jaw dropped. Uh, someone said something kind of stupid to you in trying to relate their grief to your grief. Um, maybe you can just share that that story as well, because it it'll remind us about not to try to connect our stories to someone else's. Yeah, I had somebody, I don't even think the funeral had happened yet, it was, I understand grief, I went through divorce. Now there is grief and divorce, definitely. Yeah. But I didn't choose to walk away from my husband. I didn't make that choice. I don't get to co-parent with them. I don't get to walk, run into him in a restaurant or a mall. I don't get to hear his voice again. Yeah. I was still madly in love with my husband and I still wanted more time. And I'm three and a half years out, which is still really early in a widow's grief. Yes. Most people don't do this work until you're eight, nine or 10. And the reason being is because grief isn't just about losing the past. It's the fact that I can, I still walk down the street and think he should be walking beside me right now. Or I, we were supposed to go to that restaurant. And he wanted to try it out. And we never got a chance. Or I'm going to this wedding and I have, I don't have a plus one. Yes. It's still trying to navigate this world when you're by yourself yeah yeah so the comparisons like that are really they aren't meant to be like hey my story is better than your story but that's how they can come across and it can be really yeah. hard yep yep it's funny when I was in high school and I I lost my my grandfather and he's in England and I didn't know him that well 
but I was ended up being upset in class because there was some teasing that happened and then I, I was all emotional and then I went to the bathroom and I was upset and the teacher came in and said oh yeah I lost my mother and blah blah and I was like this is why are you sharing that with me I was so annoyed it's that it's, like now it's how people try to connect yeah yeah but the problem is what I felt was like you're taking my space exactly. of like I was like oh do I now have to comfort you as a teacher and I'm a child it was so awkward so awkward yeah. yeah so it's funny how how generationally this is still happening so I'm really glad that you're teaching this because people need to know right and it's generationally happening because people are learning from their parents and their grandparents we're we're continuing to do what we've always done because we've never done it and as I talk more and more to more and more to people about yeah. this, they're like I've always wanted to know what to say and I never did. So I said nothing yeah. at all. Yes. And I've I been say that, yeah, that silence is deafening. And I mean, I had there was a group of six of us that hung out before Mike passed. I have not seen the four other four the other two couples since Mike's funeral. Wow. Completely gone. That's hard to take too. That's another grief. And I can tell you, it actually held my grief back of losing Mike because it was easier to focus on the grief of these people that weren't, were still in, alive than to actually deal with the fact that yeah. he was living and gone. Yeah. Well, you've given us amazing, just very clear lessons on what to do, what not to do, what's helpful to say, what we shouldn't say. And I know you have a gift for the listeners and I'm going to get you to share that. But before that, I just want the listeners to know. Heidi lives a really cool life and a lot of you I know are business owners. And so we're going to, we're going to move into that place uh, right after she talks about the gifts of like how she's like a nomad and she lives in places where she can wear flip-flops. And I know that's the dream for a lot of you. So Heidi, tell us first about what are the gifts that you have for us? So I'm, I'm offering a free toolkit so you can just head to my website and download it. It has some of these great tips of things to say, things not to say, yeah. And I want you to know as business owners, grief doesn't just happen at home. So grief happens in business. I had, I, I run my own event management business and I had a client say to me two days after his funeral, sent me an email, the list of things for Heidi to do is growing. Are you coming back to work or should I find somebody else? Two days after his funeral, I was like, find someone else. Cause I had other great clients who just said, Hey, you know what? Like, tell us what you need. And I'm like, this is what I need. And they were able to honor that. Yeah. To know that grief happens in the office and happens in our business relationships too, please. Um, and then also keep an eye on my website. Quite often, I often under the events tab, you can take a look. I often run free masterclasses, lean into grief masterclasses, where you can come in, learn some of this stuff. Um, I typically will do a presentation and then I turn the, the recording off and people ask questions. And if you have something specific or if you're dealing with somebody specific, I'm happy to unpack a few things with you. Yeah. And I also do at Christmas time, like a, how to lean into grief and invite somebody and in their grief to the holiday table, because it can be kind of awkward. So um, we talk about different ways to create memories and, and to honor people that we've lost. And, and some of those things can apply to other events like weddings and graduations where we can honor the people that we've lost without uh, making it feel like they've been forgotten. Yeah. Awesome. And so uh, I'm just guessing also when people get the toolkit, which will be in the show notes, you can just click through, then they'll also be able to get updates on when you're having these masterclasses and different, yeah. Yeah. different events. Awesome. So don't worry about, you know, continuing to check. Heidi will just email you afterwards and, and let you know, and you can jump into one of these classes. 
So let's let's kind of finish off in this place of how are you moving around the world, working your business? Tess, tell us a little bit yeah. more about that because I think that's the dream for a lot of business owners. Yeah. So basically after Mike died, everybody said, don't make any big decisions, but I pretty much knew <laughs> that I was going to be selling my house. Well, it, was, it was time. I'd lived there for 17 years and him dying in the driveway. It was just hard. So I sold the house and I... I don't love, I live in Canada. I, I love Canada. I don't love the climate. And so for the year after Mike died, I went down to Mexico. I wanted to be somewhere where I didn't have any memories of him. Mm. I hung out there for all my hard days are all at once. I had Christmas, his, the anniversary, I call it his wing anniversary, the day he died, my birthday, New Year's and his birthday's early in January. So I have all my hard days with him all at once in a, in a short time span. So I didn't want to be watched. I didn't want to be under the magnifying glass. Mm. I'm out in Puerto Vallarta, fell in love with it. Love the pace. Love the fact that the internet's strong enough that I can still work my business. Yeah. Love that I can walk down to the beach and just watch sunset. And it just kind of seems to reset my day when you watch the sun go down. And so now, yeah, I'm, I'm right now currently back in Canada because it's warm. But I also have a contract that with Blue Talks as the event manager. So I'm on the road with with Blue Talks running all those events. So basically from I, I do U of A in a couple of weeks and then October, I'm on the road for the next like six weeks doing events. So pretty exciting. I'll head back to Mexico in November. And then probably after that, I'm going to start looking at maybe doing Bali or doing other places to just see the world while I can. Yeah. I learned firsthand that tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And so I live for today. Hmm. And I love, you know, earlier we talked about a lot of us do this kind of work because our pain fuels our passion. I want people to have to be able to grieve with grace. And I don't want grievers to have to do it together or do it alone. I yeah. want people to have that connection. I want them to have the support around them. Yeah. There's too many grievers that are grieving together because they don't have the people around them. Yeah. So if you are grieving and you have people around you that are saying the wrong things, feel free to point them to my masterclass. Feel free to share the toolkit because if they're important to you, you want them to say the right things. Mm. You want them to be with you. You deserve that. Good tip. Good tip. And also if people are looking for someone and I, when you talked about the train, the grief train, it's almost like you want someone to jump in the driver's seat and to take you <laughs> through it. So is that what you do? Do you, cause you teach about it in classes. You also work the one-on-one -on -one with people. I don't, uh, I am still too early in my grief to deal with grievers myself. I end up, there's grievers that come to my masterclass and they've, they do share and I'm, I'm happy to honor that space, but I know right now that I need to honor my grief process okay. and I'm happy to help in any way I can in terms of supporting the people around them. I yeah. always encourage, I access grief counseling and grief coaching I do encourage you, if you're looking for therapy, make sure that it is somebody certified in grief. Yes, yes. Right. I think I shared a story at Blue Talks where a woman went to her doctor at nine months after her husband died. He, she'd seen him a number of times. Her husband died at the age of 37 unexpectedly. And the doctor said to this widow, out of all my patients, you take the prize in grieving the hardest. So when our, our health professionals who are trained in bedside manner and grief yeah things like that it isn't a wonder to me that us everyday people who've never dealt with grief say the wrong things so 
-hmm. make sure you're around people who get grief because it does make a world of difference. Yeah, for sure. And we had, um, I'll then mention one of our guests that we've had on here, Tammy Adams, who is a, a grief recovery specialist. She takes you to, through the grief recovery process. Um, and so I highly recommend everyone jump on to Heidi's website, grab that toolkit, um, send friends and family uh, the link for it as well so that they can have it and uh, also share it maybe with someone who is grieving and let them know like hey I've read this maybe you want to share this with other people as well it's been so good having you here Heidi I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be here and share uh, let's just end on what is what's your final message to the audience what's any last final words that you would like to share you know grief is meant to it is love and it is meant to be done together and so when you're able to find those words and when you're able to hold that space, it does allow us to grieve with grace. Mm, true, true. And that's where we really need to be. Thank you for opening up this topic and making it so accessible to people. I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's been great. I now know a little bit better of what I can say moving forward. So for those of you who have listened, please share your comments. Let us know what you thought. Uh, and if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and write a review because that helps us to know what you really appreciate about this show. And know that every other week we have another amazing dynamic woman that I'm going to bring on and ask her the secrets to her success as well as the different things around her expertise. So don't miss out on any week that we have. I'll see you next week with my own episode. Until then, stay dynamic. Bye. Thank you, Dynamic Women, for joining us today. Please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Who do you know who needs to hear our message? We'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family. If you're ready to be more dynamic, have more balance and more success, head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.